Pastor Jason now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Welcome to the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Yes, I'm caffeinated. We have a special guest here today, and I am very excited, Mike. It's been a minute. We caught up recently, but we have Mike here from Sons of Liberty. Hey, right? That's the Sons of Liberty Gunworks. <laughs> some of the I don't know if you guys know them, but I strongly suggest to check them out. You guys make some absolute great products. And I was trying to remember this morning. Um, was it like six years ago that yeah, you gave us a tour of the ago. shop and everything? Yeah, you guys were like, just coming on the scene, like you know, really strong. Y'all came to visit San Antonio, and uh, we supported one of y'all's parties. And then you came down and hung out at the shop. But we've had a really kind of similar trajectory in a sense, right? You know, we kind of started sort of around the same time, and it's kind of it's, it's been awesome to watch what y'all have done. And we're, we're trying to chase y'all, man. <laughs> well, I don't think it's chasing; it's you know, teamwork makes the dream work here. <laughs> yeah. So, why don't we get into um, like Sons of Liberty a little bit? Like, tell me, like, how did that start? Why did it start? And like, what's your your goal? Because for, it's interesting, I think weapons manufacturers or firearms manufacturers, it's like they're, they're, there's a reason that they started, whether it was they couldn't get the specific platform they wanted or they want to revolutionize. Like what was, what what made you go, you know what, I'm going to get into custom building. So back then at that time, um, it doesn't, and it's not that long ago, but the, the gun industry has evolved a, a lot rapidly. But back then, uh, if you wanted a high-performance rifle, you would buy it off the shelf, and then you would take it to your garage and then usually start swapping shit out and, and then tweaking it to make yeah. it end-user-specific. You'd end up with a coffee can full of parts that you paid for <laughs> yeah, that, you'll yeah. never, you know, that you'll never use. You've spent another four or $500 mm-hmm. on top of that, and there you go. And I thought to myself, like, why could you not do that factory direct with professional armorers being able to, like— We'll handle the engine, right? Bolt carrier groups and and, and buffer weights and gas ports. We, we handle the performance side of it, but like you handle the, you know, what, what color do you want? What interior, you know, what, you know, yeah. like all the detail stuff. And so that was one of the uh, driving forces. So I started actually doing this in my garage. And this was right after the Sandy Hook, uh, in, you know, situation. There was a massive gun, um, gun rush. There was a, parts were drying up. Then you also saw the rise of every shit peddler standing up trying to just, you know, fill the void, right? Yeah. So I saw like the the quality of weapons declining, um, the desire, you know, the the demand for weapons, you know, increasing. So I I jumped in there. I started building guns in my garage for friends, for team guys, for Marines. And uh, I got a visit from the ATF. (laughs) And they were like, look, fucker, you really need to get a license. And I, I did. And so I stopped dabbling in the garage, started Sons Liberty. And my partner, Kyle, he, he, uh, him and I are complete polar opposites. But that's what's made us work, I think, right? That tends yeah. to be the best business relationships. I mean, that's when we call it, talk about the core four. I mean, Logan and I are fairly similar, but there's drastic differences between each individual. And that's, that's what makes the machine work. Because if yeah. everybody was like Evan, it wouldn't work. Everybody's like me, it wouldn't work. And so. Yeah, if it was up to Kyle, like, We'd be operating at like a 500% margin, but we'd have no customers. And if it was up to me, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, we, I would have, we'd have been bankrupt a long time ago. I just would have given guns out to you know, anybody that walked oh, here by. You go, man, you know? <laughs> yeah. So somewhere in the middle, uh, it, it worked. And that was, it's kind of counterintuitive. Usually you look for people that you're similar to, but this worked because we were so different, you know? 
that's been it's been cool. Have you always had an interest in firearms? Like my grandpa was the one that got me into everything. Like he had every swinging dick firearms book that you could think of, and like I just started fiddling through those when I was like you know eight, nine, ten years old, and got into it that way. Was it? <laughs> so since I've since I was old enough to remember, I mean, even like at three and four years old, I, I was reading like gun rags and stuff. Or my dad would pick me up for his weekend, we'd have a two-hour drive to the ranch or something. I'd get a bag of jerky and a gun magazine. And, yeah. and so I've always had this almost obsession with guns. And I, whenever you're five and six years old and you're out at the ranch and it's dark, in your mind, it is completely reasonable to think that there's a lion or a bear. Yeah, or, or an a, alien. Or an or alien. Or a, yeah. Chupacabra, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah it's, it's so weird to say that, like, alien, yeah. So you're, in your mind, this is completely reasonable. And my like, the, my dad would comfort me in the sense to say, hey, if you have a good rifle, you are by far the most dangerous thing in the woods. And I, and I it, it resonated with me where I realized that you could be truly self-sufficient and you are the deadliest thing in the woods. If you have a good rifle and you know how to use yeah. it, you have nothing to be afraid of. And that kind of stuck with me my whole life. That, yeah, you're you the know, predator, essentially. Yeah. You are. And, and you are, there's nothing you can't, you know, hopefully defend yourself or at least give yourself a fighting shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's funny you say that because it elicited a memory from me that I remember when we would camp because like, you know, at the time our backyard was really small, but it was all rocks and dirt and it felt so giant, you know, when you're five or six. But my dad would actually let us go out there with my brothers and put like a little tent and campfire up. And then we could have like a Red Rider BB gun and that was like our protection out there, oh, you know? Yeah. But like when you had it, you you felt like you could take on the whole entire world even though it's just the little brass BB. That oh might, yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure my dad handed me an, an unloaded rifle several times, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it was like, that was the original Whoopi, you know? That was the, that <laughs> yeah, was the original yeah, like right. uh, comfort and, and it just, that stuck with me and, and so... I, That's a good t-shirt. <laughs> just a rifle and it says the original Whoopi on it. The original Whoopi. <laughs> and, and so you, you get... I think everybody in the gun industry at some point or was probably an end user, and then you saw a need you could fill. You saw a place to improve, right? And I believe in the incremental improvement of this platform. People ask me what I do, and if they're kind of on the anti side, I enjoy telling them that my job is to increase the lethality of weapons. <laughs> but that's that is what you do. I mean, it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, from precision, from everything as far as how the, the weapons platform is going to use. And I think the GWAT, and that's been the interesting thing being so involved in the gun community for, you know, at least like the last 10 years was the progression of firearms and kind of where the industry went based around kind of the GWAT. Because in the last 20 years, like things really fucking changed, like really changed, I think at least with like, look at a standard AR and how long for 30 years, it was essentially the exact same thing. And people were taping on flashlights or whatnot. But then as technology came in, like red dots, and then like how you're like short barreled rifles. And cause you know, you had um, all the CQC and CQB happening in like the more soft units during the GWAT that it was very formative, I think for the gun industry. And it's kind of cool to see where it's out because there's just like quite a few epic manufacturers and you, and you guys being one of them. And I'm just really, really trying to drive that home so I can get a rifle from you. I know you're back <laughs> but I really want to fucking get one from you. I'll buy it full price. So it, this is one of the, people romanticize the, uh, the gun buying availability and stuff of the past, right? And, they, and a lot of our rights have yeah. been infringed on. There have been restrictions. There have been so on and so forth. You have the Hughes Amendment of 86, blah, 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 yeah. right? Here's what's interesting though. 
I can, I can tell you with certainty, our country has never been better armed than it is today. Okay, so while you're right that the, the, the AR-15 and the M-16 platforms have been, were available from the 60s all the way up. You could, you could buy an M-16 Colt factory machine gun, yep. okay, for $350. God, I wish I, I had a fucking time machine, man, In, in 1985, <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. could do this, right? Here's, the, here's something people don't really appreciate. From 19, like the early 1960s up until 1994, the assault weapons ban, there was probably only about 250,000 AR-15s in circulation. It was not a popular rifle. And a lot of sporting guys, you know, thought like, hey, you only need one shot. You know, those were your bolt action guys, your lever. Even my dad, yeah. you know, was, was not yeah. a, a, an AR fan and all that. So... The AR-15 plus, you know, you was hard. You couldn't really mount optics. You have these carry handles. It was, you know, the, the people yeah. look at the round as anemic, you know. And so that gun was not popular at all. So what happens in 94, you have the ban. And then so the pre-ban guns had like this premium, but it was still a very niche, very niche market. Transferable machine guns on the registry, right? Whenever you can go buy an M60 off the shelf, there's only about 100, maybe 150,000 registered machine guns in circulation. And this was from 1934 to 1986 when you could buy is that, it. Is that the current, that's the statistic, I'm about 150,000 machine guns? Yeah, which is really, makes sense. which is not. Pre-ban, right? Pre, well, well it was before the 86, 86 years of yeah, 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 right? Yeah. So it was, I'm telling you, these, it was not popular. A significant amount of the machine guns on the registry were from battlefield bring home stuff, like in your sea bag, dude, like all this, the German stuff, a lot of the Tommy yeah. guns, uh, Believe it or not, the, the the AK-47s that made it into the country were coming back from Vietnam. Now, what happened was in 1968 there was an amnesty where you could, if you had if you had Grandpa's Tommy gun under your mattress, no questions asked, you could register it. It would be on the registry. It'd be completely legal. Okay, so a That's lot of awesome. That was that was the amnesty period, and a lot of the machine guns on the registry came. I'm not from, saying I would have registered yeah. if that was me at the time, but that's awesome that <laughs> right. there was yeah. like well, you could do it. I would I would say that probably maybe only twenty percent of the actual estimated sure. machine guns yeah, in the country were. Come on, yeah. dude, you're like register yeah. the government. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. no, I'm good. <laughs> I do. I work with the states all the time when people have giant gun estates. Grandpa died, and they want to liquidate this estate and like they'll show you all these really amazing collector pieces and then they'll whisper like well and then also under this floorboard you know grandpa showed me once and like and well, there it is, is there's yeah, a fucking yeah. sturm yeah. <laughs> you're, you're very informational and like I, I would love to ask you that what, what what would like so you're saying estate stuff like estate planning or whatever death in the family grandpa has let's just say a, a, a tommy gun fully automatic machine gun but it's not registered. But it's not registered. What what happens? Like, is it like, oh so, God, like, I'm not gonna, that you're involved, like, what, yeah, how does I'm gonna, the I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this uh, very, very clearly. <laughs> I have never even seen anything like that. But if I had, like right. OJ, yeah. if I did it. If I did, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I would tell you to just put that floorboard back. Okay, and, and not say a word because the, the but how does the ATF look at it? The like, ATF would look at that as an unregistered machine gun. They would take it from you. They would bandsaw it, and they would end up in a scrap heap. Just like there was a gun buyback dude mm -hmm. in California where they were giving out like a hundred dollar Chili's yeah. gift card or yeah. something. And someone <laughs> turned in stupid. an original Sturm forty four, right? I mean, something that belongs in a fucking museum. Right. Yeah. right. And they gave them their hundred dollar Chili's gift card and they <laughs> they bandsawed it. Right. There's no way it's to awful. get a right a machine gun that is not on the registry currently onto the registry. Now, there's a lot of people that have this hope that they may one day open up a second amnesty. 
Now, if that happens, you could maybe register that thing because it really is an it's amnesty. It's the amnesty box. There's no questions yeah, asked. Yeah, you know? right. Believe it or not, you know who fights against the second amnesty the most? Who? Your fucking machine gun collectors that know that it would devalue their collection. Oh, yeah. I didn't think okay. about that. Because, yeah. I mean, it's supply versus demand if a lot of people don't know that. I mean, you have, like you said, let's say 150,000 machine guns. The population increases over since 1986, and it's just supply versus demand. So if you want to obtain a transferable machine gun without an SOT, well, it's an SOT either way, but like obviously transferable. Transferable. It, we're looking like four, yeah. Tax tens camp. of tens of thousands. Most like some of these like M60s and that are going for eight hundred thousand dollars. Like oh, yeah. it is fucking crazy. An, an, an MP5, like a, an MP5 that's transferable right now, like an SD fifty fifty thousand. Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, whenever I started, I don't like MP5s that enough to ever try to play. <laughs> well, no, I mean that's I, like, I have house. I have I have. Uh, I have uh, vaults full of them that we take in that are post samples, you know? Right. So to me, like the, the novelty's kind of worn off. People do, you know, buy these things as investments. But believe it or not, it's also that same, you know, kind of very niche NFA group that is trying to restrict uh, repealing the Hughes Amendment to where we could manufacture new machine guns for civilian ownership, right? So we're fighting against our own yeah. people, are, are the, the, the niche people that have a ton of money invested in these machine guns they're the ones that want to restrict, you know, everybody from being able to have a machine gun. So it's kind of funny. The gun community in many different aspects eats their own all the time. And this kind of counter to really you might assume. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's you fun. don't say. Yeah. But, hey, Crazy. Going, but sorry, I went off on a tangent. No, going, no, no. going back to what you were originally talking about, where we, we kind of were going, the AR-15 was not a popular gun at all, right? right? So from the 1960s to the 1994 ban, there was probably 250,000 AR-15s in circulation, somewhere around there. Right now, currently, like Anderson Manufacturing, I'm just using them as an example. I mean, I, we have a very different approach to the gun, but they make about a million, million and a half receivers a year. Wow. That's wow. one company in one year making more fucking guns yeah. than the entire like gun industry produced of that platform in 30 years. Wow. So I would argue that our country is way more armed with defensive style weapons right. than we ever have been despite well, I, I think some that, of the yeah, changes. It's kind know? of where I hang my hat on certainly, but uh, like with, with Black Rifle Coffee, it was, you know, we helped, I believe, tr like truly normalize the SBR and, and the Black Rifle. Like I, I, I truly believe that and I'll hang my hat on that even if, even if people disagree. But I'm that way. Like I grew up, my dad had an M16 and everything else was lever action and pump gauge, 12 gauge. And I'm like, I think a true American, you got a shotgun and an AR. Like that's a good start to having a home defense system and, sure. and being able to like use it as sporting or however else you want to use it. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you today was just, just basically like you kind of started touching on just like, you know, where we're sitting at presently with Second Amendment rights and, and where it's been in the past. Like, I think that we kind of naturally have this tendency to think that everything's worse now than it was in the past. But where do we, in your opinion, where do we kind of sit? So that's it. Yeah. So it's like, like any complex, nuanced answer, dude, yeah. you know, it, it's this. It, so we've taken a ton of ground. Okay. I'll, I'll use Texas permitless carry as an example, right? And I'm not going to go, I'm not going to get political, but there is an aspect to it. Had Trump have won the election, I promise you that permitless carry in Texas would not have passed. 
Okay, because constitutional carry or constitutional carry, yeah. permitless carry, right? I don't think we would have it would have passed because things would have just stayed kind of status quo. Mm-hmm. But because Biden won the election, uh, this was a chance for Texas lawmakers to be anti-Biden. Like right now, right. if I wanted to, if I wanted to sponsor a bill that like made machine guns legal in vending machines. I bet I could find somebody to, to, to bring it before the house only because that would be like I want that to be a shirt. It just says vending machine, machine gun vending machine. It was just a bunch yeah. of fucking yeah. saws and some, 240s. Somebody would bring that before the house only because it's like the most anti-Biden thing I've ever heard. So in many states right now, yeah. I think in 20-something states, permitless carry has passed. Georgia right now is about to do it. Yeah. Um, Texas passed a law that's it's mostly symbolic, but it sets the tone for how Texas feels about NFA is there, they're, you know, this made in Texas law where if a suppressor is made here, then it's not subject to the NFA, which has to do with interstate commerce, right? Yeah. With tax. Can, can we, can we peel that back a little yeah. bit? Because it's, it's interesting because, you know, um, our Black Rifle Coffee here in Bernie, Texas is co-located with Monokema Firearms. Mason, yeah, like who owns guys, a man. good dude, man. He's a, he's a solid kid, got a good head and a shoulder and he's going to do some good things in life. And, um, it's interesting because, you know, I go down in the shop once in a while and I have these all the time people come in and be like, I can just buy a suppressor now because, you know, it's legal state. I'm like, no, 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 because didn't it happen? Do you know back in the day in another state, it was like- Kansas. Is it Kansas? But then the federal government came in and like Those locked up a bunch of people, right? So there was two guys, uh, they went to like an army surplus store. They bought one of these maiden Kansas uh, suppressors because they passed a very similar law. And, you know, it did not work out for them. Right. So the way the law is actually written basically says that Texas law enforcement agencies cannot assist the federal government in making an arrest for a can made in Texas. Right. That does not say that they're, the sheriff's department is not going to show up and like assist you in your standoff. They're, they're not, I mean, they, they, they might not help you kick, they're not going to help them kick the door in, but they're also not going to arrest the feds coming up your driveway. Right. Right. So this law has no real teeth. Now, I think it's important the law exists. Number one, it does set the tone for how Texas feels about this stuff. Sometimes that tone is important, okay? And enough states are passing very similar laws to where you might be able to bring this thing before the Supreme Court and you might be able to challenge the NFA in general. First of all, there have been reasonable challenges to the NFA. Like Montana has a Firearms Freedom Act that if the gun is manufactured in Montana— for your own personal use, it should not be subject to any type of interstate commerce law because it's not being sold or transported across state lines, which is very right. reasonable. Very reasonable. Very reasonable. In the law, believe it or not, that they cite, you'll love this, the law that they cite to oppose that position has to do with uh, personally grown marijuana Okay. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. And and they use that saying, well, just because you personally grow this marijuana for your own consumption, it's still subject to federal regulation or federal law and so on and so forth. Right. Again, if you look at how a lot of these laws exist, they, they're, the government has created a problem and they created a solution to that problem. And the solution itself is probably you know, worse than the problem and then it's this circular, and that's how the NFA exists to begin with. The NFA exists. How did, it, how did it get started? The NFA of 1934 exists because of the rise in crime during Prohibition, right? So you had, you know, you, 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 you attacked a product, never once addressed demand, which was alcohol. Yeah. Okay. People, you had organizations standing up to continue to supply alcohol. That created its own 
uh, drug war, if you will, the original, yeah, yeah, course, yeah the, ori- the original war on drugs. And because of uh, because of the crime you saw in that period, they wanted to go after concealable guns. They were actually trying to go after handguns. Okay, okay, handguns eventually got exempted from the NFA, but that's where you have short barrel shotgun and short barrel rifle laws because they figured if they could ban handguns, people would circumvent that by cutting the barrels down on rifles and shotguns. Rifles and shotguns stayed on the NFA, and pistols got exempted. What's interesting is a, a rifle in 1934 had to be at least 18 inches. It was soon amended to where rimfire rifles could be 16 inches, and then it wasn't until 1960 that centerfire rifles could be 16 inches. I mean, people think they know the history of the NFA, but it's 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 really interesting how that stuff happened. But again, the NFA is a direct result of a terrible idea called right. prohibition. Yes. And so they create this problem and they try to solve this problem. It's like with my, more it's terrible my living ideas. fucking nightmares when someone's trying to take away my booze and my guns. It's that, remember, kids, never trust your government. Yeah. No, it, it's it's very true. I mean, it, it, just, it, it never well, never stops. And I think, and, and that's part of it. And I have a question, but a little quick statement is like, that's, I see so much problem in the government, well, obviously, but like the people that are anti-firearm, they're fucking idiots that they've never shot a gun before. And so like, they've never even held a firearm in their life for the most part. And then they're going to go up and stand on a fucking pedestal and tell the American public why we shouldn't have these things. Like, the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. But the question for you is, we talk about NFA and stuff. Do you feel that like the, our community is making some headway on suppressors because, yeah. because it's what the, the National Hearing Act? The, is the it? Hearing Protection Act. Hearing Protection like Act, excuse me, yeah. Did, here's a fact. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Don't worry, I'm not going to fasten the chin strap on my fucking tinfoil <laughs> helmet. <Hey. you> know? <laughs> Did you know that the... The bill to take suppressors off the registry, the vote, the day that it was going to vote, the night before was the Vegas shooting. So right. the Vegas I remember that clearly. happened yep. the night before the Hearing Protection Act was going before the floor. With suppressors. Vote. And I think there was a chance to get that only because... That's one of those things that kind of flies under the radar. Like most people, most lawmakers are so de- detached from actual gun law that they don't realize that's even a thing, you know? There, there might have been a chance there. I know that nobody, nobody wanted to touch that with a 10-foot pole after the right. biggest mass shooting in history right. 12 hours absolutely earlier. absolutely tragic. Yeah, tragic, terrible timing. Weird timing, yeah. right? And weird then, timing. And then that one was weird too because I, anybody that wanted to really learn about what happened, who was involved, the who, what, why, when, where. Information was really hard to get on that. Like, and, and that, and that, like... I'm teaching the Las Vegas Metro PD an armorer's course here in a couple of days. And, like, I have some friends out there, and it's understood that if you even ask, like, dude, so what, what happened? It's one of those things It's just, uh, you just don't talk about the guy's hard drives missing the dudes there's no no motives no motives ever been established i mean i'm again not a conspiracy theorist but i'll tell you this that thing that thing disappeared from the news cycle like a fart in the wind like a fart in the wind dude yeah yeah Yeah. and don't worry about we're just this is we're not you know here to inform necessarily (laughs) it is a big part of the history of the last 20 years and what I don't ever remember any of the findings from what happened, like being presented 
to the public whatsoever. There's been not, not that they have to necessarily, but like no. there was never any closure. This guy was this guy was a, this guy was apolitical. He had no strong political ideology. He had no strong religious ideology. This guy had money. This guy had you know all intents and purposes a pretty normal life. So what what makes somebody go off the farm? You would think that you would think that it'd be a really interesting question to answer is what this dude's motive was because right, right. you know I, I study mass shootings okay I'm in I'm in this business and, and when something terrible happens some high profile gun scenario my first prayer is please don't let that be one of mine okay and then you know you start going down the hierarchy of like okay how fucked are we all you know and and and, and I know that sounds you know, kind of insensitive but I mean they have unfortunately it's not all of these events have 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 multiple meanings and consequences no, for all kinds of stuff. It's never about yeah. the individuals. It's always about the, the weapons. The gun use. or the profile of the shooter or something. Well, I can tell you a lot about almost every high-profile mass shooter, the medications they were on, the relationship they had with their, fa their father, the run-ins with the law they had before, all of the contacts that, you know, I can tell you almost anything you want to know about these people. When it comes to Stephen Paddock, which is the guy's name, I don't know a fucking thing about him, and nobody does. Yeah. Okay, that's a little weird. And, it's, and mind you, this is still the, like the deadliest mass shooting in, in yeah. modern history. Yeah. Is do you are are they working back to essentially take you know suppressors off NFA? It's still a push, man. So like it, that is still a real thing. There's uh, we we had some. It was a lost opportunity. First of all, like. Trump Jr., this his son, is mm -hmm. a legitimate gun fan, a legitimate shooter. A Jr.'s legit. awesome, man. He, he is. He follows yeah. us on Instagram. Yeah. We've, we've talked. You know, I know he was just at da uh, Dallas Safari. Mm -hmm. He's a big fan of guns and suppressors. I thought, man, that would be a really good shot to kind of get some momentum there. I think that perhaps in the next election cycle, you're going to see a little bit of a, a tiny, minute shift in... You know, representation at the at the federal level, uh, and and maybe we'll have a second shot at it. Yeah, um, so we'll see. Well, it's it's so interesting how like you know pop culture Hollywood has been the defining resource for the majority of left leaning anti gun people, and that is their essentially asset to define what these systems and, and what they do. Meaning, like specifically a suppressor. You know, they watch. James Bond or, you know, name the the flick. And it's like... A very you know, unrealistic like, no, expectation. Suppressors no, yeah. are for noise management, recoil management. And there's... It's... it's be, There's so much more to them. And it's so frustrating when I hear and talk to people about it. They're like, oh, so you can just shoot someone in, in broad day and you would never see it? You're like, you're, you're just making a fucking stupid scenario that it, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of the... A lot of the laws and a lot of the, it's like anything. I mean, again, I'm not, you know, if you look at currently what's going on, I mean, you have, you have people that are not scientists driving the, you know, medical conversation. People about, are listening to Tony Fauci. Like, are, that's yeah. why we're fucked up right now. Let's yeah. just say it. And well, I mean, <laughs> when, when this whole fucking pandemic started and after, after we started to learn a little bit more about it, the one silver lining I was kind of hoping for was that a lot more industries would start to see the frustration that we have in the gun industry, right? Because we've been dealing with uh, manipulated statistics for years. We've been dealing with misinformation and we've uh, exaggerated death counts right. and blah, blah, blah. So we've been dealing with this 
for a Dude. long time. And so when I saw my friends like that are tattoo artists and bar owners and restaurant owners and you know gym owners, I'm like, welcome to the party, bro. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Dude, that, welcome that's to the a, party. That's a really that's interesting point. parallel because if it you is. look at like the statistics that came out as far as like hospitalizations with children with COVID and then how like all the stuff they're saying, even the deaths now, the CDC came up and said 75% of them at least have four or more comorbidities, so all of that. But it, it's very relevant to the statistic that has been driving in the news that over 30,000 deaths a year from firearms. And you're 60, like- 60,000, yeah. And you're, and you're like, whoa, let's, let's, like, let's look let's at the line items, bro. Yeah, It'd be like looking at a PL that just said, we spent this. And you're like, <laughs> okay, but like- Yeah, let's unpack let's that, unpack that, that, that yeah. a little bit. Oh, that's interesting. We're in you know gang violence and all these other things. And Here, here's, a, here's a statistic that doesn't get talked about a lot, and this is, I find this interesting. So, since we've been collecting data on this since about 1908, the number of negligent firearm deaths is lower than it has ever been. I'm not talking per capita, I'm talking just straight up numerically, despite the fact that the population has exploded since 1908, that gun ownership has exploded. Since 1908, the number of people accidentally killing themselves or others with guns is lower than it has ever been, okay? Do you know why? It's not because of gun storage laws. It's not because of any of that. It's because if you were to get on Instagram right now and post a picture of you holding a gun with your finger on the fucking trigger, yeah, you're, you're going that. to get shamed by 10,000 people. You're going to be you're going to get shamed into gun safety. Our side has policed... Our side has policed that whole fucking thing. Like, if you're unsafe with guns, you are you are rightfully shamed by our culture. Yeah, unless you're Eric Bana. <laughs> huh? hey, I, I mean, I, I always I always love that one, like the gun bunnies. And, and believe me, uh, I have plenty of friends. <laughs> I have plenty of friends that I guess start to technically consider gun bunnies, and I'm yeah. all about it because I like tits and guns. But it's always funny when you read a comment. It's like nice tits, but that trigger discipline, though. You know? Like, yeah, no, it's become a thing within our culture. Like, yeah. like oh, that trigger discipline is so sexy over there. Well, I've always wanted to do a skit where it's like we keep trying to like shoot a gun on like a video and they're like, stop, fuck, dude, trigger discipline. But I'm like, well, I gotta, but I gotta pull a trigger for it to go no, bang. We're, like, we're, no, 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 not for recording. Yeah. No, no, but not on camera. <laughs> okay, not on camera, don't you dare. Yeah. But, no, but, our, our, but our culture has, has uh, you know, I think shamed people into more safe gun handling. So there's no other way to explain why, you know, a geometric growth in population, a geometric growth in gun ownership, yet less negligent firearm deaths, unless you're fucking Alec Baldwin, than ever before. Yeah. Okay? That's our side, you know? Yeah, so, but if you're Alec Baldwin, you can just blame everybody else and have just no personal yeah. self-responsibility. It just went and, off. Yeah, it just went off. You know, it's just a single action revolver that when you happen to have the depressed finger on your trigger and then you cock the action back and it hits the fire. Oh my God, it goes off. Yeah, I mean, you know, what do I know? I mean, you know, I tried travel the country teaching people the mechanics of weapons and certified right. government agencies no. on it. But I can't explain the whole, it just went off thing. And you know, no, no, nobody in my field, you know, can, but what's the, unfortunate though, is the people ahead. that he's talking to that have absolutely zero mechanical understanding yeah. of the gun. It's very plausible. A gun can just go off. About the only time I would say there's a decent probability for a gun just to go off would be like a ranger school saw that has seen about <laughs> 20 million rounds through it. And then you just slam the buttstock and, you know, the little sear just slips and it goes chung chung. That's about the only time like shit just goes off. Yeah, or I, I have seen uh, like the Uncle Cletus uh, 
trigger jobs, right? Or everybody has yeah. everybody yeah. has yeah. an uncle that was a sniper in Nam, and he is going to uh, <laughs> file that trigger down. File to one that ounce. trigger yeah. down for a you, dude, and like. Yeah, fucked all that specific geometry that makes the weapon drop safe. You know, like Cletus got it. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it gets exciting. But yeah, dude, I mean. <laughs> I love that. It's Cletus Gunworks. It's just like, hell, it's the best trigger ever. Just don't sneeze it or don't drop it and you're going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. In our armor school. Now take out your Dremels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take out the Dremels. Yeah, I really hope with the suppressor stuff, man. It's like, and even like the, it's 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 interesting that as a society, you know, we haven't like reflected on the reasonings. Like you just getting in the history of the NFA and stuff, like very interesting. Like, but we haven't come back and looked at it and be like, what's appropriate for the times now? And it's like that's the thing with the government. If they take any power, they'll never give it back, right? And I think all of us are understanding that very significantly. The American public with COVID and everything that's happened with lockdowns and then pushing mandatory vaccines and all this fucking insane shit. What's the whole other conversation, but like you're watching the blueprint being written on how they're yeah. going to address everything from now on, right? When, right I mean, yeah. at some point they've tried this before, but now they have the precedent. Guns very well could be a public health issue. Can you right. see now? what they do it's with the public health issues. And, right. and, and they've been yeah. trying to do it for so long with mass hysteria around it being like the, the you know, the freaking center, name the politician, holding the gun, saying a ghost gun, it shoots laser-guided death bullets that vaporize planes. <laughs> and you're just like, that should be fucking illegal. Like that motherfucker should get fucking fired immediately or nor ever let to talk about firearms because we need to listen to subject matter experts and like the community should speak for itself. And, but we, we're silenced, right? If you notice every time there's some kind of high profile gun incident, not once have I ever seen anybody from the weapons industry, manufacturers, armor. I've never seen anybody uh, be asked to contribute to a new story, even like on right. Fox and shit. Like they don't ever, like if there was a plane crash, you know, I bet you'd have a pilot. I bet you they'd have a pilot, like, you know, our aviation consultant. Or like a Boeing, a Boeing yeah. engineer or that would end up building a 747 that crashed. Like, right. You, you would, subject matter. You would have a, somebody in there that, that you know, has some level of actual empirical knowledge on something. But you never see that. You really don't. And, I mean, even a lot of our gun personalities, people that I like a lot that do a lot to advance the cause, um, I think, you know, it would. some folks I think could be spun up a little bit on how to, not just the rah-rah aspect of it, but also just kind of breaking down this stuff to for easily digestible information, right? Because the cure for bad information is just good information, more information. So I think the more good information we put out there, I think good ideas will ultimately prevail. That's why a lot of, a lot of celebrities, we, we work with these guys, you know, I'm proud to give these dudes guns. I'm proud to see guns becoming a little bit more more mainstream, mainstream. less yeah. taboo, because policy is downstream from culture, dude. Which you guys, yeah, I'm, you guys have done so fucking much to normalize the culture of guns, dude. It you well, have, and I'm grateful for that because you know not everybody agrees with everybody on fucking everything, dude. Okay, but I can not. tell you this seeing black rifle coffee, like as you drive by, like next to a Starbucks dude, you know, or seeing that alternative or seeing the shirt, seeing that, that thing, you are impacting policy. It might, you know, just, you might not see it yet, but you are, you're making it less taboo. I remember there was a period of time after Sandy Hook to where there was dare programs in school. 
that you know, remember the old drug dare? Yeah, 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 yeah. The okay. red text dare. Yeah, I, we, we, we actually yeah. did a black rifle coffee shirt. We said "Slam coffee, not speed." Dare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or BRCC. It, it, it was always brain. like this. This off- is your brain on drugs and yeah. crack. <laughs> yeah, there were <laughs> programs. There were <laughs> programs like that for for guns. Where like you know, a gun owner was like some ominous figure. You know, turn your neighbors yeah. in. You know, this kind of thing. Uh, there was a city in New York that got a hold. Their paper got a hold of every registered gun owner in their county and published their addresses. What the right. fuck? So being a gun owner in and of itself became taboo. You had to hide this. To this day, man, I have a lot of high-profile clients, athletes, musicians, yep. actors, like celebrities yep. that buy a lot of guns from me. And then I see them on, you know, like some kind of anti-gun thing. And I'll text and be like, dude, you know, what? The fuck? <laughs> no, I mean, you, the whole, we, did a, we did a bit called Coming Out as a Conservative a few years ago. I love that one. And it was good. That was so good. But the whole, the reason, like, that we created that was because at the time we were doing some, like, interfacing with some people in Los Angeles. And, like, you know, we were always, like, the weird, like, tattooed former mill guys that, like, are gun owners. But we'd have people come up to us and be like, hey, uh, dude, just so you know, man, I love your guys' content and I, I got a Glock 43 at my house or whatever, you know, but I can't say that. And that the whole, that was what it was based off of because it was like someone that finally has the, you know, the courage to come out and be like, I own a firearm because the community just like, boom. And we see it, it's exactly what's happened with like the unvaccinated and making people look like monsters for their own individual freedom and personal choice. Like it's disgusting. And the, the, the freedom to own a firearm to me is the freedom to like be responsible for your own safety. Like, and I've said this over the years, but like, I'm a 215 pound guy. I fought most of my life. I had a violent profession pretty much my whole life. Like I'm pretty good. I can fuck up most people. I carry a gun almost everywhere I go. Because not only for my personal safety, but it's for the public safety. Like, it is my obligation with my history and my training and how competent I am with a firearm to carry one in the awkward chance that something happens and someone might be a victim. I'm the guy. Like, that's 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 my uh-huh. obligation that I hold to myself. Like, I'm the guy because... And, and it's it's freeing to know that you have that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I feel... Dude, I, I feel uh, naked, you know, when I'm not, you know, when I'm not carrying. I, I, I know that, like, whenever you find yourself, like, kind of in a... You know, if you have situational awareness and you can kind of, you realize you've walked into a scenario where things are a little, you know, a little, yeah. I'm, in the, I'm at a gas station at the, you know, weird side of town. They could tell, like, I'm, I've just walked into a drug deal. I'm like, I could probably get out of here, though. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. get yeah. back to my car. It, got, it might get a little messy. It might be missing an arm after this, but I can maybe get out of here. But dude, like veterans, like guys who are used to carrying a firearm for a living, sure. and then they get put into this new environment and like I remember I remember this dude from my unit called me and he was like hey man like I like I can't I'm not carrying my pistol into the shopping mart or the grocery store because it's like you can't take your firearms and they were like I'm having panic attacks because I like I need it to defend myself here, here, and that's just the way I am like, dude, that's a, a good analogy is like for most military guys especially that went forward like you know, it's like a kid in their blankie. They have to yeah. have it. Like, the original you sleep woman. with it because you're on a fob that might get fucking raided in the middle of the night by freaking insurgents. Yeah. Here's an interesting statistic, and, and this Please. is true. <clears throat> in mass shootings, okay, there's a math to it, and it was roughly about six lives a minute, okay? So for every minute that an active shooter is unopposed, you're talking about, like, probably roughly about six lives, Okay. okay? The active shooters, active shootings fucking stop 
the moment, the moment the second gun shows up. The moment that the second, now whether that's a, a, a concealed carry for a civilian or the law enforcement shows yeah. up, right? But immediately they stop killing people and they either eat that fucking gun, which is totally cool with me. Yeah, they blow their head off. Fuck yeah, right, which is, happens all the time. Yeah, all the time. Or they focus on, you know, law enforcement who's there to respond and then somebody, you know, they end up right. prevailing because they're coming with, you know, overwhelming, you know, numbers or weapons yeah. or whatever. The point is, though, that active shooting stops the moment the second gun shows up. Yeah. Okay? So when That's you're true. talking about, like, almost a duty to carry a gun, if you're proficient, proficient, in, in defensive shooting and you're competent with that weapon, yeah, man, it's not even about your life. It's about all of the other lives that you could save if you yeah. were to oppose that motherfucker. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. It's like, I'm not trying to be a martyr or say anything like that or, or, or to say and be overconfident in my skills or abilities to say that like, yeah, could someone easily get a ricochet and hit me in the face right away? But... In that scenario, like like you're saying, it's it's a pause on on the tragedy, right? Sure, because it it's is. like you're buying time to get innocent, hopefully women and children out of there, and like do the right thing. And it's like it's this whole like somebody do something, and you're like like if not me, who like that fucking somebody's you. And that's why I think like the Second Amendment is so important. Sure, like, like but I think we need to get that message out somehow to like mainstream people. Well, I think. Well, I think it's that. People need to acknowledge the fact that there's still like a lot of people who want to do violence towards yeah. innocent people, and, and like and if, if you if you don't acknowledge that, you're negating the very fact of human nature and that those things do exist. And the the probability that as we have more humans, the probability increases that those things will increase as well. Well, especially more humans that are isolated and medicated, and you know you, you're talking. Yeah. About, and it, it, look, so here's an interesting thing. So to me, this is the stuff that I study when I look at like gun violence and perhaps solutions to gun violence and how do you approach this? Okay, so we all know that about 60, 65% of actual gun deaths are suicide, right? So for every time you blame that on a gun problem, you're you're ignoring a very real problem of depression and the root problem, the root problem of, of, you know, whatever causes someone to want to kill themselves because gun suicides represent about half of all suicides out there. So you're, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're ignoring a very large problem by by scapegoating a gun, right? The other large segment of gun deaths is, you know, in areas of extreme fucking poverty. Now think about this. Think about how hopeless and helpless and just fucked your life might be if it makes sense to you to kill somebody over $40 in a till, okay? Like, I mean, yeah. even if you were to take the, the consideration of the victim completely out of the equation, you've just ended, you've killed someone's brother or someone's friend, over $40 fucking dollars. Let's just say you took the victim out of consideration. The fact that you'd be willing to go to prison for the rest of your life, never eat a good steak, never have sex with a hot chick, never do... The fact that you're willing to throw all your entire existence out the window over $40, how helpless and fucked must you be? So again, every time you blame the gun in that problem, you're not addressing extreme poverty, uh, educational issues, you know, fucking so on and so forth. So... If you really unpack the gun numbers, dude, it most people that end up shot probably had it coming, okay? Because if you're not involved in some kind of illegal trade or you're not involved in like some kind of gang activity, the probability of you ending up at the violent end of a gun is a bit anomalous, okay? Yeah. It's not to say you should not be prepared for that because right. there are fucking fruitcakes out there. And you will see more of that <laughs> as medicated people and isolated people and dudes that, you know... Sure. So... 
anyways, but if you unpack it, there's a lot of real, real actual problems that manifest in gun violence, if you will. She's not addressing the root cause of any of it. But no I mean, one's even talking. Well, neither side is well, talking what, about it. It seems like the government doesn't want to address the root cause. That they they want to like have this sugar coating over the concept of what's actually happening. Sure, but because it's easy, right? You stand on the the political pedestal, and why would you address the root issues and solve for complex problems when you can literally just go, "I'm going to take your guns like Beto, like that fucking retard Beto, like." Yeah. Because, yeah, you hear the crowd cheer, right? And you're just like, what? Because it's easier to do that. It has nothing to do with the public safety and public health. It's completely around a talking point to manipulate people to vote for them to increase their political stature and power. That's that's like, in my personal opinion, and I'm a fucking idiot, it's 100% what it is. Dude, ivermectin is not a horse drug, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and cloth masks don't seem to be very effective, you know, against the spread of COVID. How dare yeah. you? But How no, dare you dude, say those? I'm yes. gonna let you go on that. Like we, well, Jared and Logan just had Peter, the doctor that was on Rogan on, and yeah. like fucking YouTube flagged it, took it down. Sure. Like, and, but... <laughs> Like I mean, we we like we know we know that a lot of the uh, behavior that we have to fucking put up with right now has no no basis in reality, right? But but hey, welcome to the party, pal, because this is the <laughs> yeah. shit that we have been dealing with <laughs> our entire yep. careers in the gun business. Because you know what, a flash hider does not make the weapon inherently more dangerous. If you were to lop off a quarter inch of barrel steel. Okay, you have not made the weapon inherently more dangerous. You actually kind of made it less accurate, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying though. I think a 15.5 inch rifle is no more dangerous than a 6 inch rifle, but one of them will put your ass in prison, right? So you start getting into some arbitrary, stupid shit. Yeah. Okay, and, and here we go. And so, but you're you're finally seeing it manifest on a massive scale with this COVID shit. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that people that kind of accepted the government narrative before on guns. They're starting to question the government narrative now on fucking everything. I'm really hoping that that's the end result of this. If that's the case, maybe, maybe something good can come out of this fucking disaster, okay? Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people, that they don't really realize how confusing a lot of this, like, legislation that gets passed. Because it's not, there's like a, you have to go looking for it. For instance, like, I've had friends over COVID that, like, bought a AR pistol, right? Right. And they're like, dope. What do you think about, like, a Troy foregrip for it? And I'm oh. like... You're a felon, dude. If you put that on, they're like, what? Because they're new to the firearm space. Sure. It's like, because that makes it an SBR and it's considered a pistol. It's or, just like- yeah. it's, Any other weapon. There's, yeah. there's right. a lot of confusing stuff in there that like the average gun owner, there's not a resource for it. And half of the people that are trying to pass this stuff, they don't even know what they're doing. And it's- and Neither do law enforcement, neither do defense attorneys. I have to do consulting for defense attorneys when it gets into really nuanced area of gun law because they they understand things like felon in possession. They understand things like the in the commission of a crime, those kinds of crimes involving guns. But when it comes to like the overall length is greater than 26 inches, they, they don't. And it's very fucking gray. And what's even funnier is that like what is a felony is no longer a felony if you have two hundred dollars, like, like you would think, like yeah. you know, like can you imagine any? Appliance? That's really funny if you put it that way. If yeah. you will, if you Attack apply it to any other room. crime, right? Like you yeah. know, like dude, I, I you know, I, I murdered Bob last night, but here's two hundred dollars. Like, <laughs> you know, like oh, well, that's no longer murder. You're good. You know, like if you were to apply that stupid shit like yeah. to any other actual crime that's involving a real victim, 
you'd realize it's well, I was going to say, I mean, a deer yeah. reel victims, I mean, that plays in the deer industry. Like, you can't go shoot a whitetail <laughs> without a hunting license or tag. You pay 60 bucks. You're like, dun, 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 dun. I got none. <laughs> yeah, man. If, uh, if, if you build it, they will come. And by they, I mean, you know, some government agency with their fucking hand out. So it doesn't matter if you open a restaurant, right. you're paying the health department. You know, anyways, there's a lot of useless bureaucracy and... I just hope that this whole thing is waking people up to it. Like, if you're owning a restaurant, you know, maybe the health department who started with some kind of good intention, uh, they're the ones closing you down because of a, a mask mandate. Maybe you should question that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What has been, so, Ram, I'm just going to yeah. no, segue Sally here. Good. What is your favorite gun you've ever built? Like, you're, like, do you have one that's just, like, your pride and joy? Because I, I have, like, one of my, like, I have an AR that I built that's just, like, that's daddy's gun, like, I only get to shoot it. It sits by my bed and then like have my one guitar. Is there one that you personally built? You're like, this is fucking. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I have sentimental attachments to certain guns, man, that, you know, and then there are there, like out of all of the different guns that we offer, there are a few that if the aliens fucking landed tomorrow, I know which one of those <laughs> I would reach for. And, and it's not because, I mean, everything we build is very reliable, okay? Everything we build is meant for endurance. Everything we build is meant to work. There are certain platforms, or I mean, there are certain configurations of those guns that I promise you will push further than the other ones simply because of dwell time or, or you know, or gassing or understanding the mechanics. Like, yeah. In other words, if you were to put two guns in a fixture and there was some way to like infinitely pull the trigger until one of them just stopped shooting. Right. I can tell you before the experiment starts which one's going to go further based on dwell time and gassing and just the mechanics of that particular gun. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, there are, I have my and, favorites. And will you make sure you don't just start shooting at the aliens because <laughs> they might have sex first? Like, That's they might want to have sex with us. Like, <laughs> telepathic blowjobs, like, think about it. Like, let's let's hold on the arsenal before we know they're going to shoot at us. I, I'm, I'm willing to, yeah, I'm willing to wait it out for that. And if they can, soon, and if they can as, bend gravity to get to us that fast, we're already fucked. They're just going to like yeah. vaporize us. So there, there's really no. Wow, care. you kind of just you opened my brain up to whole new things there. With telepathic blowjobs, Tele telepathic blowjobs, dude. Wow. Yeah. Think about it. Like I, I hold it's fire. like VR, but reality. Yeah. I'll, hold, I'll hold fire. You know, like look. No, because they can. In my fake universe that I'm creating, you know, they can. They're in a different dimension. They're multi-dimensional, and so they can get inside of you and just press the little spine button because that's all it is. It's a neurological yeah. response to sure. how we're built to you know oh, just yeah there was a there was a woman who was had like some really like serious chronic pain and they put some fucking electrode in her brain and they allowed her to push a button that would give herself an orgasm uh, every time she was feeling this chronic pain and that they were trying to use orgasms to treat pain. This is a real experiment. You can go look this up. Anyways, this chick was having like 10,000 orgasms a day. Wow. And then like she went through like they removed it and like she basically wanted to die. So if somebody had a button that I could push and just fucking orgasm. I'm gonna start day. using that with my wife too. Like, oh man, my shoulder hurts. Oh, Looks man. like I need the blowy. <laughs> Talk about chasing the dragon, man. Jesus, ten thousand orgasms. Oh yeah, you can, you can look. It's, it's a really, it's kind of a fascinating experiment. I started thinking to myself, like, what if I was yeah, like, yeah. But you it. know, that's how humanity is gonna go. It's like Elon Musk's mission to like with the Neuralink to essentially, sure. as they stated, was to help people that are quadriplegic out and give them, you know, essentially a, um, a way of the, fixing These are the noble causes. The noble yeah. causes yeah, yeah, of the yeah, spine. Yeah. And you know, in the back door, it's like, it's absolutely dude, going Bob, there. 
Bob gave the, the, the gorilla an orgasm, <laughs> you know, and there's a whole little like IT section there that like, it's, it's, it's just the course of humanity. We do things in the nature of good, but then we hijack them and make them for we're pleasure. Five to, we're, I believe, I believe we're five to 10 years away, five to 10 years away from putting on a fucking helmet and sitting on your couch and that being the end of your real life. Because in the metaverse, okay, in the, in the metaverse, your avatar is a six foot two built, you know, fucking good looking dude. And everybody in the metaverse is whatever their avatar, whatever the, the avatar wants it to be. And yeah. then you go out there and in, in, in the moment you can plug in some sort of sensory information to this helmet, like an orgasm dude, or, right. you know, oh, it's whatever. A, it's a game. No one's leaving their couch again because you can be whoever you want to be in this fucking fake world. And everybody would, I guarantee, prefer to be there. Okay. I mean, but yeah. everybody, well, everybody who doesn't, Everybody who doesn't have like a fucking somewhat of a rewarding real life, which sadly is a lot of fucking people. Sure. I, I see it because I, I look at the misery on the internet. Every time I read a negative comment, every time I read somebody just show up out of, out of the blue and just say something like fucking hurtful and shitty, I'll go look at their profile. I don't get angry anymore. I feel sorry for these people because happy people don't do that. Like confident, happy people that are like out meeting hot chicks, they don't come drive by and shit on you. You know what I mean? So I look at all the misery on there. I guarantee you those people will plug into this fucking thing, dude, and the, that will be the end of it. Well, I th I think well maybe I, it's a good thing because yeah. maybe that will like all the trolls just go into the metaverse. I, I think I think there's two conversations there. The first one is like a lot of haters because you know, I've been on the internet for a very long time and I don't know if people know this, but before even recent things, like I've been so raked across the coals from oh, the left my too. whole entire life because I've been raked across the coals from everyone. Like, <laughs> go go read the the comments on like gun owner versus liberal that I did the rap battle. Like, oh man, because that went viral on the left side, and it is it's tasty, right? But I think a lot of that what has happened is critic like controversy has become currency. What I, and what I mean by that is people tend to want to create car crashes everywhere because they're more engaging than telling someone you love them or being supportive. And what they do with that, because it's just based off like a CPM model, like the more traffic I can get, no matter what I say, even though it's fake or anything, and we see that with politicians and everything, even in the gun, we see it everywhere. Sure. The most divisive, crazy thing you can say will drive the most traffic and then make the most money. That's like one. And then yeah. another thing is like on the metaverse you're talking about is like for me, people don't really hold themselves very high. They don't have high standards for themselves. Like, and there was a guy in a motivational speech and I, and, I, and I love that statement about like, what is your standard? Like when you wake up, like do you fucking fuck off in life all day. Like, what is your standard? But it requires work to have a high standard for yourself, to be like super fit, super successful, like all these things that you define yourself by. It's very challenging. But when you put a TV over your eyes really close, you can be whoever you want to be without, without any work. Any work. And, and, and it's easy and, and it's, it's inviting, you know? Like I get the allure to it and I'm not like discrediting like the communities and like the gaming side because I, I very much support them. I've been a Twitch streamer and all that. Yeah. But like where it's going to your point, I really think it's just going to be that, that the lazy button. Like you can do whatever you want and then you put this on and then you just live in fantasy land. I, I and it's a, somewhat tragic. I, I have a feeling that it will not be nearly as satisfying as the real thing, as like real accomplishment, right? To see the... No. See the value of something that your work has produced, whether it's, you know, fitness, whether it's, uh, you know, success in business, whether it's, you know, a, a happy, healthy relationship with the, you know, whatever. 
that all takes a considerable amount of work. And it's something that you work at every single day to maintain. And like, that's where that satisfaction and confidence comes from. But if you could push a button and instantly like, you know, have a fucking giant pile of money show up, I don't think you'd enjoy it. That's why like lottery winners and stuff, or a lot of them go fucking broke, or they end up jumping off a fucking bridge, right? Because like, it, it was this... You know, windfall of something that you've wanted, but you had you did absolutely nothing to 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 get there. And it, it, there is something to be said for stepping out of your comfort zone, actually accomplishing something, something hard. You know, something hard. That's where I, the confident people you yeah. have usually overcome some some sort of adversity and 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 built their own path through work through sweat equity. And that's where it comes from. Yeah. You, I, or I, you can put a yeah. fucking helmet on and you're going to be a miserable guy who looks good in the meta universe. <laughs> we'll just yeah. keep running with it. I truly believe that they're like mundane is misery. Like, oh, yeah. it's, I, I tend to find that with the people that never, and it's not, there's no, it's not a criticism on them. I don't think, I just don't think that they found the right perspective in life to find true happiness. And you see people that will work like uh, the same job that they hate for 30 years just because they were too like scared to say fuck it, you know, and it's unfortunate. And hopefully with like social media and other businesses, there's more information that's provided to people to hopefully like pull back that trepidation a little bit and give them like the the criteria for happiness. Cause it's not necessarily success. Like I think the whole purpose of this life is to have fucking fun. Like sure. and enjoy yourself and be sure. kind and good. Like I agree. Money can be a part of that. It opens up more doors, but like I've had some money and I've been really poor in my life. Like the, the circumstances didn't really change my internal happiness. It was about who I was around, what I was doing and all that. I, I never used money as a metric to to judge like how my life was going to me. It was no. seeing the idea grow. It was the people you get to meet. It was the things you got to do. And, you know, money was a byproduct of having a good idea and being rewarded on that idea being affirmed yeah. by yeah. people, right? And then, you know, the scoreboard could potentially be money. Yeah. But, like, I'll tell you this. Money was not the thing that, uh, for me, had very little impact on my happiness. My happiness, I noticed, dramatically, you know, increased. If you were to use it as a metric... Uh, like you know, for me, for me personally, sobriety. Okay, I, I had clarity. I had you know, I, I was appreciating things more. Time, the the understanding that that time meant more. You know, being a father that that added. You know, the holidays used to depress the shit out of me, and now with kids, I'm excited about. Them. Like those were the metrics that I thought yeah. measured that. Sure, but uh, anyways, dude, I I. I one of the other things you see too is I think the traditional path to business or success or whatever it is you're going, I think that's being challenged now as well. You do look at like a college education, and I'm not knocking it. If you're if that's your path, hey, talk all shit you want because I have a bachelor's degree in liberal arts from an online <laughs> college, so I'm that guy. <laughs> no, no, but I'm, but I'm saying that like I mean, it's like for me, I was I barely graduated high school. I have zero. Uh, you know, college education, and 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 but I learned a trade that I was passionate about, and now I you know I employ forty dudes, and we're we're you have forty the, employees yeah. now. Congratulations, yeah, we're, dude! We're, that's freaking yeah. Epic. And we're, we're we're probably the fastest growing gun company. I learned how to turn a fucking wrench, dude. You know, and and that was my path. But I look at some of this college stuff, dude, and I'll be honest: I've, there's not many things that I can think of that have gone up in cost and down in value as much as a college degree. Yeah. Now, if you're going into STEM or something, well, it's obviously a prerequisite. But I would challenge people to ask, you know, what their path is. Dude, sure. what, you know, like, is that the way to success? We talk about the guy stuck in a fucking cubicle. I promise you that's probably not a happy dude for the most part. 
but he followed that traditional go to school, go to, I mean, go to college, you know, get a job, middle management. You know, our, our, our parents and our grandparents' capitalism is over. There used to be a time when you could start in the mailroom and work your way up to the CEO of a company, right? Very seldomly does that ever happen. I would, I would argue virtually never. If they need a, a new VP, they don't promote from within, they poach from somewhere else. And there's lateral transfers, but there's very little upward mobility. That's why I do think entrepreneur... Uh, paths make a lot of sense. I think learning fucking trades, you know, in 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 stepping off the pavement, dude, is kind of something that should be explored quite a bit more. And I, I and hopefully it is, you know. So I didn't know if you had anything, Logan. I got <laughs> plenty. I'm just I'm stealing the conversation over here. Just, yeah, no, it's so good. It, like my brain goes, it's gonna happen. Like people are going to be checking out and going into whatever digital world that exists. Like, we, we just have to accept that fact. Yeah. And what you hit the nail on the head as far as, like, that that's going to negate people from going out and being uncomfortable in the real world. And it's going to have a huge impact on our society down the road, and I don't know what that's going to be, but it makes me want to, like, start preparing for that now. Yeah. The adjustment that's going to be made over the course of the next decade. You know what's interesting, too, because you look at, like, when people say entrepreneurs... And I'm just going to peel this on back a little bit, right? Yeah. Where, because you see it all the time, right? You know, you see the CEO or entrepreneur on, on the Instagram handles, but like I define an entrepreneur that takes consistent calculated risks. Like I'm sure you know that as an entrepreneur. Sure. Like, and for the average person, like having an entrepreneurial spirit, I think is very associated with their happiness. Because like, if you just take like one little risk a day, and I'm not saying like a big one, but that, that shit can like, ounces make pounds and it will snowball into you like finding and taking a little risk and having fun and being spontaneous and enjoying yourself. It's just the people that like find that comfort bubble and say, I'm going to live here for the rest of my life. No. It's the absolute worst. And yes, the more risk you take over life, like I still have to challenge myself all the time because like you get comfortable being somebody where you're like, you know what? I'm going to just like, I started CrossFit five weeks ago, which I hate. I fucking I absolutely hate it. But I'm just like, I'm going to take a little risk and like try something new and keep this life invigorating or you, yeah. you just kind of fade away. <laughs> I, yeah, I believe like confidence, happiness, things that are real, like real, uh, not not momentarily fleeting stuff. I mean, but uh, like stuff that becomes part of you has everything to do with risk and everything to do with stepping out of your comfort zone, having to face failure, like the, having to face a fear of some kind and overcoming that. Like that, I think, is how that stuff builds. I mean, and it's, it's with anything. It doesn't have to be business, but I mean, you know, asking the hot chick out, you know, like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, or buying the guitar you've wanted to say you've learned for 10 years yeah. and like making yourself practice 10 minutes a day. I, I had to, I mean, I used to have I, I, a true phobia of getting up and talking in front of people. I mean, a true phobia. I would freeze, but I kept forcing myself to do it. Now, now I kind of enjoy it and it has made, a, I think, a big impact in my business. But Having conquered that fear makes me feel a lot better about sure. me. Yeah. You know? Well, then when you get put in that circumstance, they're like, all right, Mike, take the stage. You're not like, I'm going melt down. You're like, all right, I hate this, but I'm going to do it. Yeah, but you got you to fucking do it. And you had to keep you know, you're facing some of those things. And that to me has really been the stuff that's made the biggest impact in my life. It's not, it's not been money. It's been stuff like that. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I think everyone should give it a shot. I do too. Well, on that note, Sons of Liberty Guns works. Mike, you're absolutely amazing. Love your product. I suggest anybody, because if you listen to Background Podcast, you probably like guns. Maybe maybe go sort their catalog, check out some of the sex things. You didn't, you didn't pay me to say that, but uh, <laughs> um, you know we've been friends for a while and it's great to kind of reconnect and we forget we're in the same, the same city. So we should uh, 
Absolutely, interface man. a little more. And thank you very much for coming on the show. Hey, man. and congrats to everything. It's amazing to see what you guys have built, man. I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thanks, man. Where can everybody find you? Uh, so Sons Liberty, uh, yeah, Sons Liberty GW on Instagram. We are Shadow Band, so you're gonna have to actually type type, type Sons of Liberty yeah. GW, and and that's us. Uh, Sons Liberty Gunworks on Facebook. Um, I'm trying to stand up other stuff like Gitter and everything else, man. But um, but yeah, reach out, man. And we were very accessible. I mean, I put my phone number out. The people can call me and I'll, I'll talk to you about guns all fucking night, dude. So that's all reach awesome. out. I don't know if I follow you right now. Wait, so like, I'm gonna follow you. You've got a gun hotline? <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. it's me. Yeah, I know what yeah I'm, I'm like tonight. the Miss Cleo of guns. So like, talk to me, baby. Hey, Mike, how you doing? <laughs> Just chambered. Yes. I'm, I'm a one in nine twist right now. I'm 300 blackout. Oh, Mike, <laughs> tell me more. 1 800 operator. Oh, my God. We got to do that video. Yeah, I know. All right. I like it. All right. But yeah, thanks, thanks so a lot, much. Mike. Catch you next time. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!